You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. And slowly and surely drew their plans against us. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. You're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood, the ones you're nostalgic about, and we look at them objectively without the rose-colored glasses, let you know, are these movies any good, or are you just blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watch 2005's action-adventure sci-fi thriller, War of the Worlds. (sighs) Pop that top, my friend. Yes, sir. Mm. (sighs) For the annals of history, we are still currently mid-quarantine, and uh, what a film to watch mid-pandemic, Zach. We keep doing this. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, with first flubber, which signals the end of days, <laughs> and then we watched a movie literally about the end of days. This was not a good idea. <laughs> not a good idea at all. Uh, let's get into, I guess, just our backstory with the movie. I was hyped to the tits for this movie war of the worlds i was super psyched first off my dad tom cruise was one of his favorite actors when i was growing up so i saw all of his shit does your dad love top gun oh my god does my dad like top gun how could any man any straight man not like the volleyball scene anyway dude what are you talking about oh my god i won't give my thoughts on top gun or why we thought it was a good idea to make a second one (laughs) With fucking, uh, what's his face of all people? Miles Teller, right? Miles Teller, the most punchable (laughs) face in movies. (laughs) Oh, boy. But yeah, I was a huge, so, uh, you know, inadvertently passed along, I became a Tom Cruise fan. And this one I truly was, like, super hyped for. I saw it twice in theaters. And we'll get into the plot later on, but I just want to mention this up front, is that I do remember loving the film, but disliking the ending. Even... At what this came out 2005, so I would have been 14 years old when I saw this in theaters. Even at that young age, I did not enjoy the ending to this film. Has that changed? Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. I, uh, pretty similar experience. Actually, I think I mentioned this last week, or if not to you off air. Um, the first time I saw this movie was my first drive in movie experience. Oh, that's right. This and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, right? Yep. I went and saw a double feature. The first was Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, which I had honestly planned on like almost sleeping through because it was kind of late. And I was like, I'll take a quick nap before War of the World starts. Um, Actually turned out to be an okay film, if I remember correctly. Stay tuned. After that ended, War of the World started. And there was something that thrilled me particularly about the idea of seeing like this so you know you always see those cliches in like cartoons or i know like simpsons or family guy loves to do is where it's you know a young couple going to a drive-in theater watching like a scary alien movie you know where they come and take over the planet and that's what it felt like you know going to a drive-in to see a fucking alien movie and I didn't really have any expectations of whether or not it was going to be good, um, but I do remember enjoying it for the most part, but like you, I've never left such a promising experience more disappointed. Also coming from such big Spielberg fans, I know you were a huge fan of some of his earlier works, and me as a kid grew up loving you know, all the things that he brought to 
pop culture, especially in that era of the late 80s, I mean, early 80s, that whole decade, really, up leading up to Jurassic Park in the 90s. And, and it's, yeah, he, he really is one of the most important filmmakers to our generation and the generation just before us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was... I think this was kind of the tail end of my fast. I knew, obviously there's so many Spielberg movies that I love, but I think this was kind of the end of my fascination with him where he came out with a movie and I'm like, well, I have to see it. Yeah. It's crazy because I don't necessarily think of him as a disaster filmmaker, but he's made some really good disaster movies. <laughs> that, and he's also done some obviously really good uh, alien visitation films. You know, this mm-hmm. is technically the third after Close Encounters and E.T., this is the first of his being sort of menacing, like the aliens are fucking here to kill you, yeah. a la Independence Day type style. And I think this movie was heavily influenced by Independence Day, down to maybe the design of the aliens we'll get into you know, oh, yeah. a, a bit later. But where he was such an impor- important filmmaker and where this is our first Spielberg film that we've covered on the show, we're going to run through his career like we do all the directors on the show when we introduce a movie, but I'll do it super quick. I just want an up and down on the movies you've seen or not seen, okay? Because there was actually going through his list a fair amount of these that I still have yet to see. I was going to say, I bet there's a ton of them I haven't seen. I'd be willing to admit. So, start off his career with Duel, which is technically a TV movie, but it's badass. It actually is probably one of the best student movies I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, never Sugarland Express, never seen. Nope. Jaws. That's pretty yeah. much, that's what t- turned him into kind of the blockbuster filmmaker of today. I have in my room right now a signed Steven Spielberg poster of Jaws that's framed. That's pretty cool, you fucking nerd. Close Encounters of the Third Kind came after that. Pretty dope. 1941, I've never seen. That's the comedy. I think the World War. I've seen 1941. Really? Yeah. Any good? Dan Aykroyd, right? Jim Belushi? Yeah, it's not bad. It, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously it doesn't have a huge name for a reason, but, you know, if you're into, like, World War II comedies. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> all of these earlier stuff we're all going to be up on anyway, so, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously. Yeah. E.T., the extraterrestrial. Yeah. He also did the Kick the Can segment in the Twilight Zone movie, which I've yet to see. Uh, no, I, I can't remember that one. It's been a while since I've seen that series. Uh, the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yep. The Color Purple pretty good from what i remember it was a movie i watched in school so i haven't seen it since then haven't haven't seen it actually never seen amazing stories or empire of the sun little christian bale uh i think i've seen snippets of empire of the sun but i don't think i've sat through the whole thing yeah me neither and uh indiana jones and the last crusade sure yep we have got always which i still haven't seen no that's a drama hook which is a stay tuned (laughs) most likely uh (laughs) jurassic park classic no i've never seen it <laughs> Jurassic what? I'm sorry? What? Uh, and of course, the fact that he completed that movie the exact same year as Schindler's List still blows my mind. Schindler's List is a top five movie of mine. It's all time. an unbelievable yeah. movie, yeah. The Lost World, Jurassic Park, I believe that was 97. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty fun. We talked about that in our Jurassic Park 3 episode. We've got yeah. Amistad. Uh, (laughs) I did see that. I don't remember a thing about it other than Matthew McConaughey's gross sideburns. Sure. (laughs) We've got Saving Private Ryan, which is probably my top 10 films of all time. I I, I would agree. uh, Top 10 for sure. One of the greatest war films by far. Ever. He's got AI, artificial intelligence. What are your thoughts on that movie? It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I don't remember really liking it that much. Um, Same, same. And I remember... Haley Joel Osment's creepy melting robot face. Mm-hmm. I don't quite remember much about that plot. Jude Law's like a prostitute robot. 
at some point. It's <laughs> yeah. weird, man. One it's I want to revisit. It is, it is one of his strangest movies. Yeah. Yeah. One I think I could watch again. Then he did Minority Report, which is amazing. I love Minority yeah, Report. I do like Minority also Report. Also love Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I love Catch Me If You Can. One of his best. Love that yeah. movie. Still yeah. underrated in my opinion. Leo definitely should have won an Oscar for that. I'm not giving Leo an Oscar until he eats some fucking bison liver on camera. And it better be real or that guy can go fuck <laughs> when he off. Ba- when he barely talks but eats a bunch of gross <laughs> food. Sure. <laughs> then we've got The Terminal, which I actually literally watched last week. Hadn't seen it in a long time. Oh, man. Yeah, you know what? I'll while. say this. It's a pretty sweet, pretty, you know, banal. It's kind of a very small movie. Tom Hanks is fun in it. But <laughs> the shock. Again, I know this going into it, but every time I revisit that movie, the shock of him opening his mouth the first time and playing a Russian immigrant <laughs> makes me laugh so hard every time. It's yeah. bizarre. Oh, yeah. boy. Then we did War of the Worlds. Munich. Munich's great. Haven't seen Munich. Munich is great. Uh, Indiana Jones of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I mean, stay tuned. Yeah, we all. I mean, technically, it was 2007, and I don't want to see that again. But I do remember the immense disappointment leaving that film as well in theaters. I only say stay tuned because Brandon, get ready. Wait, I watched it recently. Oh, and it still sucks. <laughs> get the fuck out! It of is. Here, it dude. is not good in retrospect. Uh, the Adventures of Tintin, which. I saw parts of, I think. I, I just don't remember anything about it, honestly. Same with War Horse. I remember seeing it. I don't remember much about it except for loving the cinematography. I haven't seen those last two. How about Lincoln? I love Lincoln. Lincoln's really good. Lincoln's yeah. really good. I still have not seen his next three films, Bridge of Spies, The BFG, or The Post. Still haven't seen The Post. I've seen half of The BFG um, because I love The BFG growing up as a kid. It's one of my one of my um first books that i like my mother would read for the kids like we would sit down and read and that was one of the first books she read not a fan if you stopped it halfway through what's the verdict there <laughs> yeah it's just over it's, it's just <laughs> yeah overproduced it looked fucking psychotic when i saw the well and that, that, that i was gonna say well that book is psychotic Roald doll's a psycho was a psycho excuse me rest in peace you fucking weirdo um <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox, one of my my favorite adaptations so far of his. Do you know how many children he's killed in his books? Like in that book, like it's about giants who eat kids and they straight up eat kids. Back when, you know, children's literature used to have one goal in mind and that was to scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking badass. These kids these days. Fucking kids. After the post he did, yeah, Ready Player One and now he's got the upcoming West Side Story. Did you see Ready Player One, Zach? No, didn't bother. Don't care. A few cool <laughs> scenes in there, here and there. But yeah, I didn't read the books. And I'm also not huge into gaming culture, so a lot of it just went over my head. But for the most part, I would say his last great film really was, I guess, Munich, honestly, in my opinion. Because I, I, I have not... Well, I guess Lincoln's, Lincoln is really good. It's it's a it's a great historical drama. Well, I was going to... I would say Lincoln, yeah. And I'm sure, like, Bridge Lincoln. of Spies and The Post were both nominated for Best Picture. I'm sure they're great. He just hasn't done a movie that's really piqued my interest since this one honestly there hasn't been a movie that i saw the trailer for that said steven spielberg's name on it as a director that i have been this excited for i guess i mean i guess we all had indiana jones the post i got exci- i got excited about the post and still somehow didn't manage to see it so you know there we <laughs> yeah. go and indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull we were all excited for but that faded quickly once you know people realized what was going on with it yeah yikes War of the Worlds, though, has a 6.5 on IMDb, a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a very low 45% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think, Brandon, that goes back to initial 
gut reactions of what we talked about earlier, the ending, because this ending, we know, has ruined the entire movie for a lot of people. But it cost $132 million to make. It earned $234 million in the U.S. and $603 million worldwide. Huge, huge hit. Placed fourth for the year of 2005. Star Wars Revenge of the Sith at number one. Chronicles of Narnia, the first one, number two. Followed by Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. War of the Worlds was at number four. Then we've got King Kong, Wedding Crashers, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Batman Begins, Madagascar, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith at number 10. What a fucking bizarre year. (laughs) Very strange year, right? It's so funny what top tens used to look like before fucking superhero movies came in and took five or or, or that or Disney live action remakes, like what they used to look like. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because the only superhero movie on that list is a DC movie. <laughs> yeah. And a damn good one at that. Yeah. Yeah. A really good one. So World Worlds, of course, loosely based on the 1898 novel by H.G. Wells, which, of course, memorably dramatized in a 1938 radio program allegedly causing public panic among listeners who did not know that the Martian invasion was fiction. That's so fucking great. You fucking, <laughs> really you, you fucking the, idiots. Uh, the you, ultimate prankster, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> it is it is my all-time favorite prank, you fucking morons. Yeah, I would love to see, I know this has also been recently adapted into a television series, if I'm not mistaken. I believe 2019 it came out. Yeah, I can't remember who, I think it's an Epex, maybe? It may be an Epix or a BBC or it's it's not it's not, you know, HBO or anything like that. I was going to say, I thought it was an Amazon Prime thing, but then I went to go look for it and, and it wasn't available. So I think it's either like Stars or Epix or something like that. I'm sure this has probably been done before, but I'd love to see a story or a movie, you know, kind of about that radio broadcast itself. I think there has been something done on it before, but not a full-fledged. I'd love to see just like the dramatization of that. Hey, Arnold did an episode of it. (laughs) I remember that for some reason. They pretend to broadcast an alien invasion and trick all their parents on Halloween. I don't know why that fucking (laughs) sticks in my head, but I think about it every time I watch War of the Worlds. This project, I guess, had been gestating, kind of in development hell for a while. Spielberg knew he wanted to make it, and I guess he was going to shoot Munich, and Tom Cruise was going to shoot the Mission Impossible 3, but they both agreed that if they could do War of the Worlds after Minority Report, that they would. So they, they quickly scrapped those other plans. Those movies got pushed, and they were able to do this pretty quickly in terms of a, a big-budget blockbuster, in, anyway. But... Spielberg agreed to do it. He wanted to do it because he wanted to develop a film that was unlike anything he had done before, a scary movie for kids with scary aliens in it. He, he was quoted saying, for the first time in my life, I'm making an alien picture when there is no love and no attempt at communication. The visual effects kind of base their look of the aliens on or the alien ships on like tree frogs and jellyfish and shit, their movements, which is kind of weird, bizarre. Uh, unlike a lot of your typical I guess, alien invasion imagery. Yeah. Um, you know, it, to me, the aliens are interesting because, you know, you can have your thoughts on whether or not you think they're good or bad, but I think this is the first alien invasion movie I've ever seen where I didn't care what the aliens looked like because I was way more invested in those fucking giant tripod things. Yeah, what they're driving around, these giant-ass war machines, are much more interesting than the alien. So it's been widely reported that Tom Cruise and Spielberg's relationship soured a bit during the promotional campaign for this film, because if you remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is right smack dab in the middle of Tom Cruise announcing his relationship with Katie Holmes and jumping on fucking Oprah's couch. That actual um, interview itself 
Spielberg was scheduled to appear at, but couldn't for last minute uh, change of plans or commitments or something. Again, this is all alleged via IMDb trivia, so take that with a grain of salt. But (laughs) imagine Spielberg being there. That may not have happened. And this is also, you know, his involvement with Scientology was becoming more and more widespread. So not a great time public persona wise to be Tom Cruise. This is when the tables kind of turned on Tom Cruise and people were starting to make fun of him. But that also kind of drove me to the movie theater to go see this movie. I don't know. It, it it almost like gave you that kind of hate watch experience where you wanted to like go see it to laugh at it. Um, and there are some laughable things about his character in this fucking movie. But <laughs> now you, of course, whatever. must also remember the scary movie for parody of that scene. This movie itself kind of base it the, the basis of that movie, actually. I do. Yep. And uh, finally, War of the Worlds was nominated for three Oscars. Best sound editing, best sound mixing and best visual effects. It lost all of them to King Kong. And you better believe that Dakota Fanning secured a Best Frightened Performance nomination at the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, wow. Fuck. Good for her. Don't know who won, but uh, sadly she was robbed of that that trophy. Just want to throw this up here, too. Uh, my friends and I went to go see King Kong and didn't realize how long of a movie it was and sat in the front row. <laughs> Dude, your neck must have been fucking broken. Your oh, eyes my fried. Neck, I, like... When the intermission popped up, I almost lost it. I couldn't believe that there was like a second <laughs> half of this movie. They just got to the fucking island. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've been here an hour and a half. Oh, Good movie, though. I like boy. it. I like King Kong a lot, a lot. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into this War of the Worlds. We open up on a little Morgan Freeman narration. Boy. Uh... Between this and the, you know, Andy Dufresne later, it's a regular Shawshank Redemption reunion up in this yeah, bitch, it really dude. Is. <laughs> so he starts off, we get shots of just sort of daily life on Earth, and he warns us that some unsympathetic beings are plotting our doom with envious eyes. They want our planet, dude. You, you know, it's funny because once this movie gets started, it reminds you nothing of H.G. Wells, but this, like, soft Morgan Freeman narration at the beginning, like, warning us of impending doom it really does like it it feels like almost a tribute to hg wells just how like almost classical it feels yeah it feels fucking important with a capital i you like you sit up like oh shit okay what's going on yeah (laughs) yeah cut to brooklyn new york another brooklyn story my friend pizza We're introduced to our hero, divorced dock worker, Ray Farrier. <sighs> he's a bit of a rapscallion, my friend. He drives a badass car, and once you know it, he's an absolute shit father. <laughs> so many times on this podcast, we have gone on, and I've defended the hardworking fathers who are like, like jingle all the way. Like, hey, that your dad's trying to work. Like, he's trying to get you, like, your <laughs> presents and money. And, like, I, I feel like I always have to come up and defend the so-called shitty fathers came in not doing that on this one. He is the (laughs) shittiest father maybe ever. You can't defend Ray Farrier confirmed. He's so unlikable from the get go. I do want to mention the cinematography here because I didn't remember this going into it. The movie looks so overblown. All of Doesn't the whites it? are overexposed. I'm so glad you said that. It, yeah, it, everyone's I, like fuzzy. There's like a glow to people because it's so overexposed. I swear to God, Brandon, I stopped the movie and played something else to make sure it wasn't my TV. 
it looks bizarre. It's strange how white these whites are. And I looked into it. It was it's Janusz Kaminski who always is 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 uh, Spielberg's DP for the most part. But it reminded me so much so of the Omaha Beach. Uh, opening of Saving Private Ryan. It's the exact same, like, they're going for this weird, hyper-realistic, but also dreamlike quality. Yeah, it, it makes it a little blurry, and when the action starts, it gives this this shell-shocked feeling a lot like the Omaha Beach scene, like you mentioned. So it it's an interesting choice. I'm not... I wasn't super psyched about it. Yeah, the intention is a bit lost on me. I won't say it looks bad. It's just it is an interesting choice for them to really replicate that sense of war, I guess, just because it's in the title. I don't know. They really kind of stop it once, you know, things really kick into gear. I felt like I noticed it a lot more in these early scenes where, you know, they were just building up to the point where the aliens invade. Am I wrong? Did you notice it later on? No, it's not as prevalent later on, I think, because the rest of the movie is a lot of overcast or at night. And this is this whole beginning here is just set, you know, bright sunshine day. So I think it stands out a bit more here. But, you know, you may be right, because at the end of the movie that where it is sunny, that then I really noticed it. It was like way too overblown. And that one didn't look good. So Ray confirmed shitty dad. He's late letting his kids inside his house. He was supposed to be back home uh, to pick up his kids. His wife, played by Miranda Otto, she's there with her new husband, anxiously awaiting the arrival so they can head off to her parents' place in Boston. So we get to meet his kids. Fuck, dude. Dragon Ball Evolution himself. There's Robbie, Justin Chatwin. I think this kid also played The Invisible in that movie from like 2007. Fuck this kid, dude. He's always reminded me of a shitty Billy Joe Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much. He, that's exactly what he looks like. And good on you for remembering that Dragon Ball Evolution movie. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't want me to. I'm sorry. I'm sh- yeah, I'm sh- that move. Did that movie end his career effectively? I haven't seen him. since. I don't think yeah. I have either. Ugh, poor guy. Bummer. Well, for a while we didn't see this other early 2000s All Star. Dakota Fanning. She plays the 10-year-old daughter, Rachel, and you got I gotta say, she was one of, I wouldn't say a favorite actress, because she was younger than me growing up, but I've always found her to be a really good actress. Dude, I am Sam, and she's She's, she's good. very good, and when she was a child actress, it, she felt Culkin-esque. She was everywhere. Yeah, you could not throw a rock without seeing this bitch's face on a poster for Uptown Girls and Dreamer, that horse movie with Kurt Russell. Yep. Uh. <laughs> Her sister, Elle Fanning, I've been enjoying, too, her performances of recent years. So It's a good acting family. Yeah, and she is finally coming back. I've been seeing her pop up here and there. She was just in, like, Tarantino's, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's good to see her back. Anyway, I enjoy, I wouldn't say I enjoy her character because she's just, you know, kind of a bratty 10-year-old, but she's delivering a fucking solid performance here. Yeah, especially for... How old did you say she was in this? Like, 10. She's playing 10, and she she's must not 10. be much older than that if, if she is at all, so... yeah. Um, but the kids do suck. Like, to raise credit, he's a shitty father. Kids suck. The kids do suck. And his place is a bit messy because he's, you can tell, a confirmed bachelor. And he immediately wants to go to bed as soon as his kids get home. I thought it was because he had to work early the next day, but he's up the next day and there just, is no work. So he's, he's just, just like, sleepy. thanks for coming. I'm going to bed. <laughs> but Ray wants a catch with his son. And guess how at odds these guys are, dude? How can you tell? Oh, because Brandon, <laughs> one of them, he's got a fucking Yankees hat on. Go Yankees, obviously. Yeah, Ray, obviously, he's a, do- he's a dock worker. He's a Yankees fan. Fucking go Yankees. Jeter's fucking great. and But but he's got a fucking Boston hat. He's got a fucking Sox hat on, dude. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Yeah, what a way to really drive that home, too. I like that. 
Can you say socks one more time? Socks, yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> You're from New England. Right, yeah, exactly. But he uh, can't be bothered to cook them food that night, makes him order out, hates hummus the next morning, gets up and eating like raw. He's like, what is this? I asked you to order food. I'm like, holy shit, dude. What a confusing fucking <laughs> time. This, like, the time period in between when he gets his kids dropped off until when he wakes up, like, how long did he sleep? <laughs> yeah. What are these kids doing? He wakes up and his son is missing. He does, like he's taking his car. <laughs> Fucking awesome. And this whole time there have been a few news stories about some impending magnetic storms. So they're all, everyone's outside. I did notice. I thought so. Amy Ryan is his next door neighbor. You know, just a few years before Gone Baby Gone, and uh, she's never seen again. But the center of the storm starts hovering right above them, lightning like crazy. Cruz seems to be having a blast, though. Dakota Fanning keeps begging him to go inside. He's like, no, sit here and watch this goddamn hurricane or earthquake, whatever's happening. It's clearly a natural disaster. Pulls her closer and a little tighter. (laughs) Don't be a bitch. Come on, let's watch. (laughs) Um, You're fucking blowing this for me. But lightning keeps striking the same spot again and again, and everything seems to shut off like disrupts electricity entirely phones stop working cars stop working even ray's watch stops ticking <laughs> so robbie finally returns home you know the car's missing somewhere because it just shut down and uh ray heads out to join a crowd trying to figure out what the fuck is going on so people start gathering around this intersection where the lightning hit repeatedly and we get some sweet ass sexy disaster porn from here on out. Oh my god! This next like ten minute sequence of him trying to get back home is—I mean, it's expert Spielberg shit. Most of it still holds up, and some of it's fucking exhilarating. When the overpass blows up, like flips over and blows up. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh this my is god! Pretty dope. So uh, great. No, they, it really is like the the explosions and the disasterness. <laughs> disasterness is that a word? <laughs> I like it. We'll coin it. Thank you. Yeah. So, so tired, Brady. <laughs> that sounds like something that would absolutely come out of our White House press briefings, though. That's right. Drink bleach, kids. This episode of Nostalgia <laughs> Be Damn brought to you by bleach. <laughs> Injected bleach. in your veins. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we have to slap the disclaimer on it not to ingest bleach. Pretty soon, dude. Pretty soon. But the street starts cracking. This giant tripod war machine emerges from underneath the ground and starts laying waste to us all. Now, Zach, how would you, I guess, describe these? The tripods? Yeah, so they got three long arms um, that have, like, claws. You know that that giant uh, robot at the end of The Incredibles with the three claws? It kind of looks like skinny versions of that. Where, like, the bulk of the weight is at this, like, this head that looks like kind of a fin uh, with one eye. It honestly looks kind of cool. Um, it is pretty cool. It's got these, yeah. like, tentacle uh, probes that are they use to pick people up, too. So we'll mention this in the beginning, how they dispatch of people, because it confuses me later on what their ultimate plan is, I guess. I had to look it up, Brandon, because I genuinely couldn't figure it out. Because <laughs> right now, they're so... At first, everyone's very startled, very confused as buildings and shit are collapsing around them. Then these things just start killing everyone. They're shooting this ray. This looks like this this beam of light that just disintegrates people into dust. I think, uh, yeah, I think what it does, and there's no point in digging into the sci-fi of this, but I think it like dehydrates them so much that they turn into a plume of dust. Yeah. Because they just kind of like, you see their face just like turn, you know, to ash. Yeah, end game style. And then their clothes are still left behind. 
Um, and I do like the way this is shot. It's all shot almost entirely from the human perspective. So it's very mm -hmm. rare that we get any sort of wide shot to establish just how big these things are. You're just sort of sh thrown in the middle of it. Spielberg really wanted to go for the 9-11, I don't want to say aesthetic, but it really was... Boots on the ground. Yes, exactly. Boots on the ground, yeah. really seeping into a lot of filmmaking. You know what it really reminded me of? That sort of style that, besides obviously the massive tracking shots, but that style that they shot Children of Men, like things are just happening around the person who the camera happens to be on. We're just kind of along for the ride. It's really kind of cool and sets more of a chaotic tone. I'm a real big fan of the way that they do it. Yeah, it looks great, and again, most of the special effects hold up for the most part. I even like the disintegration of these people. I think it looks fine, yeah. So people are getting killed left and right, unless your name is fucking Ray Farrier, because he's just dodging in and out and somehow does not get hit by this uh, beam of light, whatever's happening. He gets home to collect his children, get some supplies, including a gun, because you know he's going to need it. Yeah, and I bet he won't lose it almost immediately. <laughs> But when the confusion first hit, we failed to mention, Ray was asked by his mechanic buddy if he knew what was happening to all the cars in the area because they all just fucking died out of nowhere. And he suggests, hey, replace the solenoid. And of course, because that's Tom Cruise and he's so fucking cool, that, that does it. That fixes it. Why doesn't he just work in a mechanic? Like, he, I know he's a dock worker, but he's got a fucking engine on his kitchen Dude, table. Dude, he's a jack of all trades, he's man. Fucking, he's just a working man. He's such a great blue collar New Yorker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so in the midst of the carnage, Ray and his kids, they wind up stealing that said van and head off. The mechanic guy dies immediately. And Dakota Fanning, meanwhile, this, as all this shit's happening, is delivering a fucking powerhouse performance in the backseat of this van. She's great. I like she's this bit a lot. Me, she's giving me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And this is when, yeah, that fuck the, the whole bridge overpass tips over in this one long shot and the semi trucks coming off it, propane blowing up and shit. It's great. This all looks good. Gives you a Michael Bay type heart on. So the interstate lined with people and uh, cars, obviously, that are all broken down. Their plan is to drive to Marianne, that's uh, Tom Cruise's ex-wife, their mother's empty home in New Jersey. So they get there. They're still gone because they're in Boston, you idiots. Fucking morons. But they, they uh, spend the night here to further prove what a terrible dad is. He attempts to make them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, unbeknownst to him that his daughter's been allergic to peanut butter from birth. And, you know... You know what really irritates me about this scene, Brandon? You know they're in a house with, like, a fully stocked fridge. Why didn't he just find something else? <laughs> I know! Because you specifically told his son, by the way, as they were leaving, hey, get supplies, get some food and stuff, and all he, he brought are fucking condiments. He's got, like, ketchup, barbecue sauce. He's like, hey, thanks a lot. He's like, hey, Dad, this was all that was in your fridge. This was all that was in your fridge. <laughs> by the way... What is this fucking goopy ass peanut butter? I see this all the time in shows and movies. This, it's not like, real. Water, yeah, watery, runny peanut butter. Where have you ever found peanut butter like that, Brandon? I think it's supposed to be maybe the organic highfalutin peanut butter, but get that away from Excuse me. Excuse me, Jif or bust. Excuse me. Yes, get out of here. Oh goodness gracious. Ugh. So they decide to sleep in the basement, and that night there appears to be another lightning storm of sorts, but they wake up the next morning to realize it was actually this enormous explosion, and a fucking Boeing 747 has crashed into the neighborhood. They still, by the way, have the set piece to this at the Universal Studios tour in California. I saw it last year, actually. They still have it's it all like, cool. yeah, the, the broken plane and shit. It looks pretty dope. Yeah. But amongst the rubble, there is a scavenging news crew of sorts that pretty much oh, acts man. as uh, some streamlined exposition. 
it, it is streamlined exposition. This reporter, you know, in she's like, what do you mean you don't know about the other ones or something like that? Because this is when we find out that this is happening freaking worldwide, Brandon. Yeah, dude. This she is, whips up a tape, throws it in the news van. And quickly explains why the lightning was important, uh, because that's how the aliens are, because they got a bit, these fucking machines, they had to have been buried down here for a long fucking time, Brandon. <laughs> how do you think he's got there? Yeah, exactly. How do you think he's got there? <laughs> so it looks like they rode the lightning in these little capsules that were drilled into the earth, and then, yeah, started taking over the machines, because they're like, someone's driving them, you know what I mean? That's not a creature itself. And then, just like the freaking fake news media... <laughs> She's like, were you on the plane? He's like, no. She's like, oh, too bad. That would have been a good story. And then abandons him. Yep. Let's lock up. Let's go. It would have been a good story. Fuck off, man. And yeah, man, there is a uh, ton of them. This is all happening all over the globe. So our family decides, let's head to Boston. Meanwhile, Robbie is talking all this sorts of shit like we should go back there and kill them and kill one of those things. Get back at them. Where is this coming from, first of all? F- yeah, what the fuck? This is, this? is my once it, it takes a turn in the close to the third act where I just lose is where the movie loses me. But here I think they're trying to set all these breadcrumbs up that he would want to help out and be a soldier. But I really hate the way this movie goes with his character. I think it's uh, and I hate to keep using this fucking reference because it it's it's a tough thing to keep comparing it to but it does remind you of that 9-11 post-patriotism that we had oh sure yeah you gotta fight you know that immediate like you know you see like when the when the twin towers fell we had a million people fucking signing up for the military and i feel like that's probably what he's going for because robbie just saw his you know his parents home fucking blow up by an airplane he's watching people die that he's been to you know displaced he wants to fucking fight back it's that sort of like fight or flight and he's choosing to fight yeah dude rock flag and eagle rock flag and eagle so rachel has to piss they stop at this farm and i do like to see this imagery here where she goes by this river and there's just that entire it's filled with bodies (laughs) it's pretty startling and then a military convoy passes by and robbie is begging them to take him on like you've got room in this car you've got room you've got room let me on let me fight with you. And the soldiers are fuck you, just kind of looking at him like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> yeah, get out of the way, dude. Fuck out of here. And then Dakota Fanning gives him the fucking, oh, man, it, they really just try and drive home how fucking, how much they hate each other. She's like, Robbie, if you go, who's going to take care of me? And Tom Cruise is standing right there. <laughs> yeah, with his dick in his hand, like, whoa. This is a good question. He's, he sucks, but like, fuck. Because Robbie also tells him, like, your plan is to bring us to Boston so you can, let's admit it, just drop us off there and then care about yourself again. He's not really, also not wrong. You're not wrong, Robbie. <laughs> You're not uh, wrong. Good, very astute, Robbie. <laughs> You've got what it takes to be a soldier after all. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we should just let you go <laughs> that night. They drive through a crowd of, you know, displaced wandering Americans who at that point see a working car in the rain, all of whom start realizing, you know what? I want that fucking van. This, uh, this scene hit home, right? Dude, that we are, right we now. are, we are a few press conferences away from this. Being oh a reality. my God. He just, and it, it's funny because I used to watch movies like this and be like, you know, I'd like to believe that maybe people wouldn't react in this way if, you know, <sighs> and now I can't fucking buy toilet paper for the next three months. And you know what? God damn yep. it. Spielberg hit it on the fucking head. <laughs> yep, man. We're all arming you up. Give people a chance to be like, yeah, you give people a chance to be like this and they'll fucking do it. And we're all proven. Yeah. Whoever's got the gun has the power because Tom Cruise luckily has that gun. But that doesn't stop this crowd from there's one guy who like 
<laughs> they, they throw a rock through the windshield and he uses his bare hands to pry apart the glass windshield. I'm like, holy Jesus shit, that guy wants in. Wrist miss. Uh, but somehow, you know, they, they manage to escape. Everyone gets out of the car. One guy does, you know, using a gun, threatens to take the car. He gets in the car and then some other guy grabs Tom Cruise's gun and shoots him in the background as they're all like watching. So they just keep shooting each other, like <laughs> trading off like, nope, now I got the car. Oh my gosh, it's a real Dawn of the Dead sequence. I... Yeah. I don't know why I gave that accent, by the way. That was stupid. <laughs> they move out on foot. They they get a bit of fake news gab here as well. With all these people walking aimlessly. They're all sharing different information about what's supposedly really going on and who has a vaccine and yeah. all this stuff. And it's <laughs> Again, like, oh, this boy. is just the whole middle part of this. Yeah, the whole middle part of this movie is really when I started to fall apart a little bit. <laughs> So they get to that ferry, yeah, they plan to cross the Hudson River, only to be surrounded by several tripods. They begin massacring, abducting refugees. I'm curious what you think of, like, that horn sound effect that they make. Cause that that's, siren sound, yeah. Oh, man, it gives me goosebumps when I hear it. It is kind of chilling when you hear that sound and they all turn around and there's just, like, one fucking alien machine looking at them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. It's like it's like turning around and seeing the fucking Spinosaurus. Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> Classic reference. What do you mean? Don't you mean the Indoraptor bra from oh, Fallen yeah, Kingdom? Oh, fuck. Sorry. My favorite movies. <laughs> uh, we get a bit of Titanic here where everyone's rushing to get on the boat and the, uh, you know, the ramp's heading up. People are falling off. Then eventually the whole ferry's tipped over. Ray, again, manages to escape with his family, and they watch as hundreds are grabbed by these fucking mechanical tentacle things, picking people up and putting them in little storage areas, I guess. And we finally get to see the military in action against these things as Robbie chases after them. I never understood this part. Like, the military starts cresting this hill, and everyone, all of the bystanders just start sprinting after the military, like, we'll join you? Or, like, I don't know what their plan is. No, I have no idea what's going on. I would be running on. for fucking cover. I don't know what their plan yeah, is. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking weird chaos. I also, I remember being mildly disappointed watching this scene originally, thinking, like, I was about to see this fucking awesome standoff between the military and, you know, a bunch of tripods. To credit to Steven Spielberg's credit, he keeps this a very human movie because you do not get to see that. No, instead we follow. Yeah, Tom Cruise is there. He's on top of his son, begging him to stay. And I guess this, you know, I, I think Spielberg's going for this sort of metaphorical letting your kids go shit because there's literally he's like grabbing onto his legs as he pulls as to claw his way away from his dad. Like I want to go, dad, but he has no gun, no anything. Yeah, as his other child is being fucking. <laughs> abducted, abducted almost by these <laughs> yeah i don't understand the robbie thing either and like what makes him think that he's just gonna like run up to the military and be like i want to fight and they're like okay kid grab a gun <laughs> exactly like what the fuck man you're in <laughs> and this it's really this moment this moment right here when once he leaves and again i wasn't a fan of robbie i just feel like the movie then takes this weird turn that it never quite recovers from however i will say the next 20 minutes despite being a pointless endeavor I will say are kind of entertaining. I, you know what? It doesn't surprise me that this next 20 minutes speaks to you, the fan of like thrillers, 10 and Cloverfield lane. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like you, I mean, I love 10 Cloverfield lane too, but like, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you like this 
part of the movie. <laughs> but it, but but in the in the context of the plot, it's really dumb. Everyone's running away from them. The the aliens are again, they're not far away. They are on the property of this guy, and they decide that the safest bet is to follow a man who's brandishing a shotgun who urges them to come down in his basement. Like I, I just never understood why that would I want to get as far away from these fucking things as possible, not reside in the farmhouse nearby. All I can think because I also was confused by this, all I can think is that this is probably a plot point in the book. That's true. I, and I've never read the book. Yeah, neither have so I. I don't know again, we're, if anybody has. Yeah. We're useless pieces of shit. Yeah, let us know because we're we're fucking illiterate pieces of shit. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. Brandon. But, um, yeah, one more so than the other. Yeah, but, I can you know. read Brandon, you know. Um, but, <laughs> but we meet Harlan played by Tim Robbins, Andy Dufresne himself. And, you know, he explains kind of what he believes to be happening, that the tripods were buried here long before people were ever here. And this is no more than a war than a war between man and maggots. It's an extermination. To me, this drags on a little bit. I, I know you like this 20 minute to me. It's like, because it it is kind of dumb that they would be in this situation anyway, but it just kind of drags on for me. It's a lot of Tim, like... It feels like he's almost improvising. I'm sure he's not, but it almost feels like they're just like, okay, Tim, go, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I agree that if it wasn't Tim Robbins, I would have not given a shit about this scene. And I'm not even saying that he's delivering a phenomenal performance here. I just like his interplay with Cruz. I like that it's giving a, the, the film a sort of human villain. There's always a human villain in these movies. Yeah. Well, this, this guy is definitely one of the guys who's out protesting in front of the Capitol building that he wants to get back to work. But <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. Yep. Or excuse me, that he wants to get a haircut. Um, <laughs> he explains all his thoughts on it and, and that at one point they need to fight back. They need to freaking go out there and fight back. And it's pretty obvious he's fucking crazy. Yeah, he's deranged. He's fighting for a very fruitless endeavor because uh, he wants to, yeah, literally just fight them. He's obsessed with destroying them. Ray immediately starts regretting his decision. Uh, we get it, but but I do like this little bit here. There's this this scene with the tentacle probe that eventually makes its way inside the basement. But then it struck me this is very very reminiscent of the uh, Minority Report, like those spider bots. Remember that scene where he's in the hotel or whatever, and he's, his eyesight's all fucked up, and yeah, there he's trying not to be seen by this, you know, otherworldly robotic creature. <laughs> it's weird because it it almost feels sort of like a different direction than this whole movie has been going on because this feels very classic Spielberg thriller. Whereas the rest of the movie almost feels like him making a disaster movie or, you know, like an apocalypse movie. And it almost feels like it switches genre a little to something that we're more used to with Steven Spielberg. Yeah, it's a real, like, uh, raptors in the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park. Exactly. It may be able to destroy human civilization as we know it, but guess what? It can't handle its own fucking reflection because the best way to beat this thing just throw up a mirror bro apparently just like freaking i mean it's the raptor scene oh just, just like, like the raptor yeah, it really is yeah. God damn it <laughs> this is the raptor scene so I, this is the raptor yeah. scene um <laughs> i did forget genuinely forgot you actually do get to see a bit of the aliens here i think it's because they're so you know, mixtures of, of movies we've seen before from Close Encounters to Independence Day to the way they're shaped anyway. You know, they're nothing special, which is probably why I just forgot entirely that you even see them. I, I was I could see very clearly the tripods, you know, the mechanical war machines. But these aliens, whatever, they're fine. They're kind of forgettable, though. 
it's a basic design. Yeah. It's what I said earlier. It's just like I, I care way more about the giant tripods than I do about these aliens. Yeah. They, they also reminded me of the creatures from uh, A Quiet Place, the way they move and shit. Yeah, kind of like the weird, like almost bat-like sort of, you know, joints. Yeah, the weird joints. And I think they only have like one leg in the back that, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting enough design. It just seems as though we've seen that kind of played out in this genre before but i don't know if it played better back when we were younger but right now it just feels like okay like whatever i don't care but tom cruise tim robbins they get into this silent fight this whole time over a shotgun because tim wants to try shooting him then he realizes you know what i guess we're on the wrong page Aliens, meanwhile, this whole time are studying photographs. This made me laugh out loud. Like, what are they doing? The way they're grabbing these, like, pictures and shit and, like, looking at them. I, I don't know. It's real goofy. <laughs> I don't know, man. The aliens are weird. But they, they head out when they hear this loud-ass, you know, alien warship siren sound. And they realize that the aliens are cultivating this weird red-colored weed-like vegetation across the farmland, all across the landscape that's very quickly spreading. And I guess we're meant to believe that they're modifying Earth to make it more like their home planet. Yeah. You must have read the exact same thing I did because I had to look it up. I'm like, why are they bothering? They were they were killing everybody before. And we find out a bit more strange information about this. Harlan suffers this mental breakdown upon witnessing what the tripods appear to be doing, which is harvesting human blood. Because they're just stabbing into people with these spear things, sucking up their blood through the tentacles. And then it looks like they're spraying it all over the ground to then grow this weird-ass vegetation. Fertilizing, fertilizing the ground. Yeah, with the with blood, blood, which led me to believe like the, the heat ray thing in the beginning. Did they absorb their nutrients into that somehow? Because it looked like they were just laying waste to people. I, don't, I didn't see any blood transfer. I don't know. And if so, why did they do that? Why wouldn't they just grab everyone right then and fucking start squeezing them dry if they're, you know, freshly squeezed human? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's taken, like, several days for them to start doing this when, like, they went the first, like, three days not doing this. I don't I don't know. The movie doesn't deem it that important to go into it, so I guess we shouldn't either, but, like... It's a cool image. Like, it is It is weird, though. Yeah, it's super weird. It looks cool because there's fucking, like, puddles of blood everywhere and everything's all this weird, red, gross, weed-looking shit. But, again, I don't quite understand what's going on, but a good Wikipedia summary got me in the right direction. Me too. I had to look it up. I'm like, why are they bothering? <laughs> that is so confusing. But Tom Cruise realizes he's got to kill Tim Robbins because uh, he's got to protect his family. So he blindfolds his daughter, tells her not to look no matter what she hears, and he fucking kills him behind closed doors. This poor kid. Ray is then forced to axe a tentacle probe when Rachel wakes up to one staring at her. She winds up running away and is abducted by a nearby tripod. And Ray winds up joining her after picking up a belt of grenades from an abandoned military vehicle. I didn't really realize it until the next scene, obviously, but this is technically the climax of the film. It is, yeah. It's super weird because you expect there to be this big brawl with the military and that just doesn't come. Doesn't happen. What happens is like he... He picked up some grenades from, like, a dead soldier or something. I can't remember. The military vehicle, and, yeah. There was an abandoned. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so while he's, like, in the cage, the aliens pick him for, I guess, fertilizing. And he ends up, like, somehow getting, with the help of everybody else in the cage, uh, getting grenades stuck inside the tripod and blows it the fuck up. Yeah, and, and how would you say he gets picked up? What What... What did that look like to you? A tentacle comes through what can only be described, Brandon, as an anus. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. Oh, it's a butthole. <laughs> <So> <laughs> this tentacle comes through, yeah, a butthole and picks up 
Tom Cruise and brings him back through the butthole. But the, the, the other humans pull him back out of the butthole. But he leaves the grenades inside the butthole and blows it up. Butthole. What's straight? What's bizarre? Most bizarre about this, I guess, is that this little cage full of dozens of people, some children, has been sucking up people nonstop. Nothing about Tom Cruise says this guy's the chosen one or anything, but the entire band of people just decide, you know what? I'm gonna fucking save this guy, and everyone like decides that this is it. We're gonna save him, and it yeah, sets off. We just saw a guy get picked up, and no one did. <laughs> no anything. one did a fucking thing. Yeah, he went. You know what it was? He wasn't handsome enough. That's what did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't handsome enough. Makes sense. But anyway, yeah, the uh, the butthole blow-up works, and the ship crashes, and then I guess that one was maybe in charge of the ones nearby, because those fuckers go down, too. Do they? Don't they? What happens to them? I don't know. I didn't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, all. No, I'm pretty sure that one blew up, and then the other ones either went away, or... Because they're, they're surrounded by an army of those fucking tripods after the war, but anyway, they're gone. I don't know what happens. No one gives a shit. <laughs> um, so, we finally made it to freaking Boston. Yes, we made it to Boston. Uh, they find the alien vegetation, like, withering, and the tripods are collapsing all around the world. We get one encounter where he, like, because Tom Cruise, I don't know why Tom Cruise has to be the one to fucking notice this, but Tom Cruise notices, hey, the birds are on the machines they don't have their freaking shield up oh fuck dude shoot him shoot him oh my god shoot it so they fucking blow it up it's the only time you get to see the military fight these aliens when they're fucking already dying (laughs) we get to see finally inside one of these little pods it's filled with a ton of tang some orange goo juice or whatever and uh butthole juice you know yeah, we see an up close the aliens like ah, takes one last gasp and its eyes roll over. You know, in real life, as soon as that thing cracks open, the military is lighting that thing the fuck up. <laughs> oh my god, are you kidding me? He yeah. just chunks on They're the ground so in seconds. They're like, yeah. well, let's see what it does. Oh my god, no. Ray and Rachel, they finally reach Marion. Marion's house, or Marion's parents' house, rather, and that's where they're reunited with fucking Robbie, too. He's there. That's right, folks. Robbie is not only alive and well, he looks like he's arrived minutes before them because he's still covered in shit. So they all arrived in Boston within a couple of minutes? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Because because the Wikipedia article that I read led you to believe that they were in Tim Robbins' house for several days. I think it, it is a couple of days, I do believe. I ble- Almost like a week. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be several days. Either way, at this point in the movie, I remember in theaters, and I remember watching it now, being like, well, wow, that's really fucking anticlimactic. What's going to happen? Because at least at this point, maybe you're expecting some sort of explanation or reason, and thankfully... Maybe like a news broadcast <laughs> yeah. that does like exposition, like we've seen in a, a bunch of things. But no, we just get like... We just get straight up narration. <laughs> yeah, instead, Morgan Freeman tells us that from the moment they breathed our air and drank our water, they were doomed. <laughs> Turns out humanity had earned the right to gain immunity to bacteria because we evolved and endured all the hardships of our species. But these aliens, you know, they didn't do so. So their tummies got sick and their lungs got filled with COVID-19 and they simply were too bitch ass to handle her. Right. Because they did not social distance. They didn't wash their fucking hands and they That's didn't right. wear masks. This is all uh, a clear metaphor for our daily struggles in 2020. But that's just, that's the end. It just sort of ends. Germs. Yeah. Germs. <laughs> Wash your fucking hands. Honestly, honestly Morgan really... <laughs> Freeman, uh, honestly, Morgan Freeman just could have been like, germs. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> War of the Worlds. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, boy. War of the Worlds. Well, I mean, I... I can't say it was a bad movie, man. I I would say that the first two-thirds of this movie are damn good, honestly. Well shot. 
I, it's not that I like the characters, the performances from, I think Tom Cruise, despite his character being an asshole, is doing, you know, the typical Tom Cruise thing. He's a fucking likable presence. The guy delivers a decent performance. Dakota Fanning excels. I think Justin Chatwin is as useless as he is in every movie, but that character in particular of Robbie is really shitty. Sure. Uh, it goes on some weird tangents. The Tim Robbins bit, while a completely unnecessary, does pad out the runtime. This movie, when I started it, I thought it was going to be a good 2.15, 2.20. Luckily, it is just under two hours, so that's that's kind of good. It's not one of the bloated disaster movies I think we'd get today. But it seems a little generic since the, the year since its release, and that's not necessarily its fault. It's just been done to death over the years. You know, compared to an Independence Day or another alien invasion film, a battle Los Angeles movies where they're out to kill no matter what, this is still one of the best, if not you know, if not the best. It's 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 up there regardless. It's not an an arrival type invasion or alien visitation movie. It doesn't quite reach those heights or, or anywhere near it. But I will say, it's an effective disaster movie there are a couple of good scenes of suspense and spielberg it's spielberg so again the movie looks good despite me having kind of reservations about why it's shot so weirdly overexposed but i gotta say man the last literally the last 25 to 30 minutes really do send this movie from like a three to three and a half star movie just down i can't reconcile the anticlimactic nature of this ending the fact that it just seems like a real wet fart of an ending we talked about this earlier i mean you sex machina essentially yeah and uh it's just sort of lame but I can't necessarily judge it if that's the original ending of the book. And I'm sorry, I should have done the research to know if that's how the actual book ends. I think it might be. And I do kind of appreciate just the simplicity of, yeah, it's just germs. It's just bacteria is what caused their demise, which could have been handled and explained better in a more cinematic way. But the fact that they just end it with Robbie arriving home in the, in the nick of time, and then everyone, all the aliens just sort of die immediately. And then uh, we're going to tell you that it was bacteria and it was germs that did it. It's just like, oh, well, all right. So overall, I think what it's say we had like a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yeah, 75%. I'll, I'm almost going to match that. I'll give it a 70. I think, again, a two-thirds of this is stellar. If it had a better ending, uh, it really would have put it over the top as as one of my favorite alien invasion movies, honestly. I think it's it's well-made, but uh, that ending really, really hurts it. Um, I also probably should have read the ending, or, or read more about the book, I'm sorry. Um, because that, you know, ending it that way does feel a little bit more literary you know it it feels more justified if that is how they end it in a book because you you know that's easier to explain it's easier to draw it out a little bit more um and you don't feel as cheated because you haven't been watching visually kind of a stunning movie for you know especially for its time back in 2005 you know we didn't have an avengers movie coming out every other month where they destroy new york city this was i think without going to Michael Bay, the closest we were getting to a super well-made disaster movie um, that not only had great visual effects, but was pretty pretty different in the way that it, again, we talked about this earlier, feels boots on the ground. Like, we're not focusing on the aliens. We're focusing on three people, essentially, and their journey through what is a fucking travesty right now. Everything else is going on around them. Um, and I think, 
like you said, Spielberg, apart from the blown out, it is technically well done. I think it's a really well put together movie. The ending is such a fucking wet fart. And it does kind of spoil it. The third act of this movie in general, I know you really like the Tim Robbins scene, but I I think it just, it hits a wall. We've seen some great action, some really good, I guess, commentary on how humans react in a disaster or in dire situations. And then we literally stuff him in a basement for 20 minutes, not moving. <laughs> and, and, you know, we lose all sense of what's going on around us when the whole point of this movie has been to show us what is going on in the world through the eyes of these people. And the minute you take him out of that world, I think it slows down this whole the whole pace of the movie and really kills any sort of momentum that it had. Um, I mean, other than that, yeah, it's a good movie. I don't, you know, say what you will about Tom Cruise. He's fine. The character sucks, but he's fine. Um, Dakota Fanning's great. Fuck Robbie. Um, <laughs> terrible lead protagonist if he was the lead a, character. Thankfully, he's the terrible, side character. Yeah, but. yeah, he he really would. I mean, the father, it is justified to hate the father, but you're also, you know, let's look in a mirror. I'm going to go ahead and say I, I probably agree with you, maybe a little bit more, maybe like a 67-ish, um, because it is, the way, I mean, it, I agree. I think it would be a justifiable 75 if the third act of this movie didn't just kind of fuck up everything. Yeah. And again, I don't need it to, if the, if the original ending is, you know, bacteria germs that did it, I think you could have sold that ending in a much more cinematic way rather than just tell us that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking it up on the fly right now and it, it just kind of like, it, it feels a little bit more like it was sort of slain after all man's devices had failed by the humblest thing that God in his wisdom had put upon the earth. So yeah, it was germs in the book. And again, makes sense in a book. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a really epic idea too, that something so small could be what saved us. And I get it. I like the whole idea of, yeah, you had, mankind had to go through all this shit in order to survive here. Yeah. Again, it's, it's hubris. It's, it's sort of like stripping us down pull mother nature is you know all powerful sort of that sort of thing and again makes a lot of sense in a book but when we've just seen this fucking you know pretty good war movie almost a war movie you know you want something a little bit better well speaking of better have you watched anything good or bad this uh, week what have you been watching zach i've got three things to recommend so i'll run them down really quick two of them are rewatches and one of them is a new thing the new thing was middle ditch and schwartz uh, which is Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz. Um, Thomas Middleditch is from Silicon Valley, and Ben Schwartz was John Ralphio on Parks and Rec, and he's also done a bunch. He's actually Sonic the Hedgehog now, too, I guess. That's right. I've seen that. Yep. Um, uh, it's them three separate episodes doing just an hour of improv each. And it's uh, the first one I thought was pretty good. It, if you're in improv comedy, it's right up your alley. Um I, I'm not always sold on Thomas Middleditch, so I can't, <laughs> okay. but I love Ben Schwartz. Um, yeah. so to be fair, I kind of came in like, eh, you know, but I, it's not bad. Um, you know, again, if you're into that, recommend it. Um, if not, definitely skip it because, you know, improv comedy is definitely not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, the two that I ended up rewatching was Veep. Brandon, I don't know how into Veep you are. Did you ever watch Veep when it was I've on? seen maybe one or two episodes at like people's houses who claim it's a great show. <laughs> I'm I'm not joking when I think it's maybe the funniest show ever. It's wow. funnier than it's funnier than Sunny. 
it's funnier Oof. than the office it's funnier than parks and rec that kind of stuff yeah. i truly believe it's maybe the funniest show ever wow yeah um, it's high praise yeah it re- it's it's so 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 good i recommend that if you haven't okay. gone and seen it um yeah and i can't remember the last one <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you'll remember as i'm going through here i uh i got through vfw which was a uh kind of an independent, almost like a grindhouse movie where these old veterans uh, hold up in a bar or fighting off these, like, mutant drug addicts who are in there to I get just re- their uh, drug fix. Oh, did you just remember? What was it? I just remembered it? it. So I've been, I don't know why, like, I had this urge to watch the Wet Hot American Summer remakes, you know, the the shows on Netflix. That's oh, not what, it, yeah, yeah, that's not yeah. what I want to recommend, though, because it gave me the idea to watch a movie that's on HBO right now that I haven't seen in a really long time. Um they came together. Have you ever seen They Came Together? Oh yes, Paul Rudd. What Amy a fucking Rudd. ridiculous movie! It's so good. If you like that David Wayne Wet Hot American Summer sort of comedy, the movie is fucking perfect. It's it's a it's a parody of rom com parodies. It's fucking so over the top and bizarre. So many amazing like cameos in it too, and like the bunch of like really weird. Like, oh my god, this person's in it. That's crazy. <laughs> fucking Michael Shannon attacks Paul Rudd with a samurai sword at one point. It's fucking absurd. Don't they don't him and, and Bowler bond over like fiction books? I also read fiction yeah. books. No, I don't know anybody else who reads fiction. <laughs> they also go through this whole story, and I don't want to give it yeah, that would give away the joke. It's it's the back and forth on it is so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it sober. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so funny. I might I rewatch that. It. It's been a while since I've seen that one. It's really that good. good. I'm so glad I watched it. I just watched it today. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're Go good, ahead. man. Yeah, VFW was, is a light recommend. It's okay. It's not too bad. It was pretty entertaining. Uh, Hellfest was actually better than I thought it was. It's not great, but it was that like horror movie that took place at an amusement park and the guy's actually killing people. Again, it's 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 middle-tier slasher shit. Uh, watched... Uh, Bad Education last night, actually. That's the HBO original oh. movie, Hugh Jackman, about the biggest kind of public school yeah, embezzlement scandal. That. Dude, pretty solid. Really good. Took some quirky, interesting turns. The guy who made that movie uh, directed Thoroughbreds, which was from a couple yeah. years back that I really enjoyed. And then uh, the last one that I'll recommend is Waco. Just finished that today. It's on Netflix now. Speaking of Michael Shannon, love the guy. Taylor Kitsch also doing a pretty solid job. Nice. Cool. But uh, yeah, I think that's all I got, bud. You want to uh, t- you want to be the person to uh, unveil next week's movie out of the uh, shame and anger grit <sighs> between your teeth? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I know it's it's a tough time for everybody. I know it's a tough time for you. It's a tough time for me. Um, I couldn't. We've we keep doing these movies where we keep running the risk of just like uh, this. This is gonna make me feel bad about myself. So we're going to do a movie you've been begging for since it started. Finally, we're watching Stuart Little. <laughs> yes, dude. 1999. M. Night Shyamalan's Stuart Little. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's Michael J. Fox, Jonathan Lipnicki. Uh, house. House. <laughs> Dr. House. Yeah, and Thelma Stuart or Little. Louise. I can't remember which one she played. Can't remember but either. I'm pumped, man. I am pumped. I know you are, and I just... Hey, at least you'll be able to see my smiling face next week, you know, when we chat about it. I'm sure it's going to bring a little warmth to your heart, maybe. Nathan Lane, Steve Zahn as a cat. I do like Nathan Lane, and I like Steve Zahn. Yeah, I was going to say, who doesn't like (laughs) Steve Zahn? Hey! Well, 
<laughs> Come on, dude. The man starred in Sahara, your favorite movie. That's right. Yeah. You nailed me. You got me. Um, checkmate. Um, yeah, we'll watch it. Have you ever read the book? Yes, I have, actually. I don't remember it much, but I think, honestly, the movie got me interested in the book, if you get my drift. Oh, wow. You know, the last time I saw this movie, Brandon, it was entirely in Spanish. What? Did you watch this in a Spanish class, or was it a DVD accident? Find out next week. Ooh, nice hook. Good. That's a fucking teaser. Nice, dude. I'm good yeah. at podcasting. <laughs> I'll be waiting with bated breath myself. Uh uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you want to download some more episodes of us, you can check us out on our original feed. That's nbd.podbean.com. You can also shoot us a message on uh, Facebook, Twitter, as well as our email, which is nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. You can also find a bunch of these podcasts on iTunes and Spotify, maybe Google Play. Haven't checked. Um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those Spotify, we're definitely on Podbean and iTunes. Yeah. yeah. So please, you'll find us. Yeah. So please, when you do find us, don't forget to rate us uh give us a little review every little bit of word shitty or otherwise helps and don't forget to tell a friend uh because i'm sure they're bored and uh you know what i think nostalgia watching is probably at an all-time high right now we're needed more than ever (laughs) that's right and if you have the inclination to watch Stuart little before next week's episodes drops uh at the time of recording it is on netflix and if you listen to this episode you're like god damn it i haven't seen world of the worlds in a while i want to check that out i think it was on hbo correct Yeah, it is. Sweet. Dope. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Wash those filthy little fucking meat hooks of yours. Yeah, you fucking garbage animals. (laughs) Love you. Have a good one. Yeah, but wash your hands. I mean, bye.